knowing what you believe and why you believe it lies at the very heart of Christian experience, worship, and everyday living. The Bible's not about you. You're not David. Trouble in life is not Goliath. Jesus is going to be David in the shadow. Goliath is going to be sin and death. Who's that make you? Uh, and it doesn't make you the Israelites in the corner going, he's going to kill all of us. That's exactly who you are. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I, with body and soul, life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Gospel is that God the Son freely agreed to die our death for us, to suffer our deserved condemnation and doom in our place. And he did, didn't just agree from eternity to do it, he actually did it. It is fatal, fatal for us to think that we can ever move on from the gospel. The great problem in the evangelical church today where the scripture is concerned is not the inerrancy of the Bible. The great problem in the evangelical church today is the sufficiency of scripture. We don't think it's sufficient to do what we have to do. So we have to wake up to what's happening and recognize that the problem really is our lack of theology. Welcome to Theology Gals. We are a podcast on Reformed Theology, and we're on the Bible Thumping Wing Net Network. And my co-host is Ashley. So, Ashley, I don't know if this is going to get us in trouble, but the news is out because we put an official statement on Twitter that you and I do not like Taco Bell. <laughs> we don't. That that's true. We that that can be confirmed and here on the podcast. I don't podcast. know if you saw some of the comments that came. Well, I think that. someone someone implied that I wasn't a real Presbyterian if I didn't like Taco Bell. And all I've got to say oh, is Oh yeah, that, that was, I think that's why it started because yeah. I think you got in a conversation with someone and Yeah. And then I went and put the Theology Gals official statement. And then mm -hmm. someone said, so does this mean that we should avoid Theology Gals or Taco Bell? <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, we would say Taco Bell. That's there's right. No That's right. There's no good reason to ever eat at Taco Bell, unless you're in a pinch somewhere and you're just so hungry and there's a Taco Bell right there. I mean, I think, I don't think, I don't think, I mean, obviously there's people that do, but I don't think anyone's sitting at home and goes, hey, you know what sounds good? Taco Bell. Like, I'm going to go drive to Taco Bell and get that. But that's the I, thing. I think that some of our listeners do think that. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I know it's you. very difficult. I, just, I think it's difficult for us to understand that. And I think it's probably partially because we grew up in Southern California around really good Mexican food. Yes. And... Now, I do have to confess, in high school, I forget, when is it that, I think it was like 11th grade where we were allowed to leave campus. Yeah, I think yeah. it was 11th grade. Yeah, it was. We, so we were allowed to leave campus, and I'm like a poor high school student, but I could go to Taco Bell for $2. And so, oh, yeah. So I, I did go to Taco Bell in high school. Oh, totally. Now, Chalupas? It, Chalupas were so good. They yeah. were. So, yeah. And so... But that was high school. Yeah, this, this is, is now. now. I'm, I've grown up. <laughs> yeah, I do think it's probably a regional thing because even if I want fast food Mexican food, 
I have Del Taco in California. Right. I have Miguel's. Have here too. My husband really likes Alberto's. I really don't like Alberto's. I don't know if they have Alberto's in other parts of the country, but every time you eat Alberto's afterwards, you hate yourself because you <laughs> there's so much grease and like it's just I don't know, it's disgusting, but my husband likes that. I would actually prefer Taco Bell to Alberto's. So, but yeah, we just have really good Mexican food here and so the thought of going to talk about is just, I don't know. I started to think at least among our Twitter friends, I, I mean, it, I think it's a lot of, I think we have a lot in the South mm. and maybe like the Midwest. I have a really funny story. So when I lived in Illinois, kind of North of Chicago and I hung out, my sister was going to Trinity and I had a good friend at the divinity school and went to church with some of the professors there. So a couple daughters of, and if I said their names, like a lot of our listeners wouldn't know who they were. I took a couple of these girls out. They were in high school at the time because I had been kind of helping with the youth at church. And so I was going to take them to this Mexican restaurant. And Chicago does have some good stuff. Um, but we went to this place called Chi Chi's, which is okay. So I said, well, I'm going to take you guys out to eat, you know. And so I take them and they looked, so we get there and they look at the menu and they said, so what's a taco? <gasps> oh, wow. And I was like, you don't know what a taco is? No. Yeah. And, and then they're looking and they're trying to say enchilada. Like, oh, what's that's that? so cute. Like a burrito. I think I know what that is. So Aww. I think, I think with fast food that it's like a lot more people know now. I think fast food has grown a lot, mm -hmm. like even in 20, 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. I Yeah, I think it's definitely growing up in California. I mean, I don't know if they did when you were in high school. When I was in high school, they had Miguel's burritos for lunch. We have the option, like if you're buying lunch, you could either get a Pizza Hut piece of pizza or a Miguel's bean rice and cheese burrito. And so I don't like Pizza Hut. So I ate Miguel's burritos like three times a week <laughs> in high school. But I was a long distance runner, so I ran it all off. So I was good. Yeah, right when I was, I think it was, I want to say my senior year, they had this Taco Bell Pizza Hut cart at huh. Corona High. And so they would have like tacos, like burritos. Um, they had like it was they didn't have a huge selection it was like tacos taco supremes bean burritos and like the personal pizzas wow well you want to hear something crazy they've tried to go healthy with these school lunches now so i work at a middle school and every once in a while i'll forget my lunch or something and so i'll go down to the the lunchroom to buy one of the kids lunches and they have like quinoa salads um, they have like all these healthy options for the kids. Okay, I think that's only in California. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's only in California. Maybe, but I'm like amazed. I'm like, sure, I'll have a quinoa salad for a dollar seventy-five. Like, it's pretty good. Yeah, my kids don't don't have <laughs> those sorts of options. <laughs> no, they do. They they because they're a charter school, they kind of do their own lunches. So I think it is a little better. But no what? quinoa salad. <laughs> No quinoa salad, huh? Well, I know you didn't get to join me, but I got the chance to talk to Michelle Leslie, and you had kind of a last-minute thing and weren't able to join us. But today we're going to be talking 
to Michelle Leslie about Christian discernment, or I talk to her and we'll. This podcast is a member of the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. All right, welcome everybody to another podcast episode with Semper Reformanda Radio. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. Welcome everyone to the Logical Belief Ministries podcast. Well, welcome to the School of Biblical Hermeneutics. Welcome everybody to Grappling with Theology. What is going on, guys? Shine as lights coming at you. Well, welcome to Slick Answers. Good evening, and welcome to Conversations from the Port. Hello and welcome to Living in the Vine. This is the Council of Google Plus. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Bible Thumping Wingnut Podcast. The Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. 12 podcasts, one network. Check them out at BibleThumpingWingnut.com. So today we have with us Michelle Leslie, and I think anyone who's listened to our show for any length of time has probably heard us talk about her because we've recommended her blog many times and posted it on our Facebook page and our Facebook group. But Michelle, just before we kind of get started, and we're going to be talking about Christian discernment today, can you, for those that aren't familiar with you, can you share about a little bit about your blog Absolutely, absolutely, and thanks for having me. It's it's really great to to be with you today. Um, my blog is a I don't really consider myself a, a discernment blogger. Some people do because I do discernment, but I really consider myself a discipleship blogger. And when I say that, what I mean is, I think discernment is a part of discipleship, but it's not the only focus of discipleship. And there are some blogs that you know focus only on discipleship, and that's fine. But I I prefer to take a more um, fully orbed approach to it. So um, we do, the, I write a Bible study every Wednesday. I have um, a feature every Monday called the mailbag where readers can write in and ask questions about how do I handle this particular situation at church or how do I, you know, what what does this particular passage of scripture mean or just various different questions. We're trying to focus on some Christmassy questions right now since we're leading up to Christmas. Um, but we do things like that. And then I've, um, I've got some other uh, series uh, that I write. One of them is called Basic Training, and it's just the very basics of Christianity. I've, I've In working with women, I've discovered there are some very basic things about Christianity that a lot of women don't know, like that the Bible is our authority, not our own opinions and feelings and things like that. And um, that the Bible is sufficient for everything that we need. We don't need to be um, looking outside of scripture for what God wants us to do with our lives or for what God says about the church or things like that. So um, so we address some of those just very basic um, theological issues in that series and in other articles too. And I also have a series um, called Rock Your Roll, which is uh, about women's roles in the church and at home and, and addressing the various scriptures that deal with that. So I just try to hit um, a lot of different theological issues and discipleship issues, especially when I see an area where women need some help or a lot of women are asking the same kind of question or things like that. So I try to cover kind of everything. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I would even say to our listeners, I often will go to Michelle's blog and search for something to see if she's written about it, because there's a lot of, of really helpful things on there. And I should probably mention you're also a wife and mom. Yes, absolutely. 
and I really consider I really consider that my first job, and and uh, that's what I'm called to do. I'm I'm a servant of Christ, and the way that I serve Christ right now at this season in my life is that I take care of my husband and my children, and that's my joy. And and I serve my church, and and that's um, I I don't put blogging and online ministry type of stuff. On the front burner. That's that's what I do when I have time left over from what God has called me to do, primarily, which is to minister to my husband and my children and my church. So, right, and and I think that's actually a really important thing and something that we emphasize here is the importance of your local church, the importance yeah. of you know what God has called you to in your own homes. I have talked to women who were involved in some not so great teachers. We're reading some not so great teachers. And I guess by God's providence happened upon your blog. You know, <laughs> they were, I don't know, maybe Googling something having to do with that teacher and they find your blog. And it was kind of um, kind of the beginning of really seeking out solid theology and and also solid teachers. But just for starters, when we talk about Christian discernment, what, what does that mean? What are we talking about? Well, there's a sense in which, um, especially when you're when you're looking at the word discernment in light of what the Bible says, that there's a sense of knowing this thing is a sin and this thing is not a sin. So telling right from wrong. But I really, um, in, in today's vernacular, the way that we use it most commonly today uh, in Christian circles, what we're talking about is kind of like what Charles Spurgeon said. He once said that discernment is not knowing right from wrong. It's knowing right from almost right. And so discernment, when we talk about it today, is kind of that idea of determining this thing sounds kind of Christian-y, and I think some of it's right, but maybe not all of it's right. How do I know what is sound doctrine and what is not sound doctrine. And so that's just basically what we're talking about when we're talking about discernment. Yeah. And I, I love that quote from Spurgeon that you mentioned. And I think, I think that's important. And, you know, all you have to do is go to not only a Christian bookstore, but you can go into Barnes and Noble and go to the Christian section and the, and the books for women. Oh my goodness. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about here. Yes, I was in Barnes and Noble not too long ago, and I went to the Christian section, and I just wanted to sit down and weep in the middle of the floor. <laughs> right, and the fact that those are the books that are in Barnes and Noble tells you it's because they're popular. Right, and it also tells you that this is something that we don't think of very often. It also tells you that that's what lost people think Christianity is. And woe to us for allowing them to think that. Right. Yeah. In fact, I, I think about the shack that came out. You know, that's mm. not specifically, wasn't specifically geared towards women, but the shack came out. And even that, I, I have Jewish family that went and watched it and thought, oh, well, this is just, you know, so great. And right. But why, why do you think that women are attracted to some of these? Beth Moore, Joyce Myers, some of these teachers out there, which I know Joyce Myers isn't geared just towards women. And maybe that that's probably, Joyce Myers probably more of an extreme because maybe Beth Moore is a little bit more where some of my listeners came from. Mm -hmm. Well, I think there are a variety of reasons. Um, I think one of the first reasons that, that a woman might be attracted to 
someone like that is that she's not saved. And I'm not saying that everyone who likes Beth Moore isn't saved. I'm just saying that if you're not saved, you don't have that the Holy Spirit guiding you into all truth and and uh, and guarding you against false doctrine. So you're just going to go for whatever sounds good, whatever makes you feel good and things like that. So um, so that could be one of the reasons. Um, another reason is that women just Christian women even don't know their Bibles. They just do not study their Bibles. They they um, and part of that is because of women like Beth Moore and Joyce Meyer and Lisa Turkhurst and Christine Kane and Priscilla Schreier and all of those those women and Sarah Young from Jesus Calling and all of that because um, our churches and our Christian retailers and just the entire realm of women's Christianity, if you could call it that, has trained church ladies, Christian women, that uh, to believe that if you're going to sit down and study the Bible, you've got to buy a book, buy, particularly by a female author. Um, and you've that's how you study the Bible, is that you pick up that book or you watch that DVD series or whatever by this celebrity Christian Bible teacher, and that's how you study the Bible. And unfortunately, there are so many Christian women that I run into that um, they've they've never done that. They've never picked up the Bible and just studied the Bible itself for themselves. And they you it's really odd that, you know, women will be sit sitting around at church discussing what's going to be the next bi women's Bible study that we're going to do. And all this talk centers around what author you're going to buy her materials and and you and you bring up well why don't we just study galatians or why don't we just study genesis or something like that and it's you, the looks on people's faces it's like they've never heard of such an idea before and that's really sad and really um problematic because not it's it's a vicious cycle they learn not to study their bibles from these teachers and then these teachers continue to lead them not to study their bibles once they follow them um, that they don't they won't just pick up their Bibles and study them in a systematic way, so that's that's a problem as well. And then um, and then like I mentioned the the majority of the most popular Bible study materials for women are written by people who are not handling God's word correctly. They're twisting God's word. They're taking it out of context. And um, and that that's, like I said, just a vicious cycle that feeds off of itself. So those are some of the main reasons. Yeah, another one I was thinking when you were talking is I think because I hear from these women, too, they're not in churches where they're being taught yes. by pastors who are handling God's word correctly. And they're not in churches where they're being taught how to study. Exactly. And that's that's a big problem um, in a lot of churches that their their pastors are just their pastors are kind of doing the same things that some of these women's bible study teachers are doing they give a verse at the beginning of the sermon and then they just go off into stories and jokes and you know whatever that doesn't have anything to do with scripture and you know while i was while we were talking a minute ago i was thinking there's another actually there's another phenomenon that's that's interesting that i think leads women sometimes to follow false teachers and that's if you'll if you'll listen to many of these false teachers um like joyce meyer and 
Lisa Turkhurst and Christine Kane and Beth Moore, all of them in their testimony have a testimony of being sexually abused in their past. And so they've been hurt. And that is a terrible, tragic thing. But it's it's important to note that in this day and time, because so we're seeing so many women come forward who have been abused or harassed or whatever. And I think that a lot of times they, they look at these women who have this testimony of having been abused in the past and how they have come through it. And now they are wildly successful and they're up on the stage saying, this is how God brought me through. And I, you know, I did it, you can too. And, and they have a genuine compassion for the women who follow them, who are in um, in terrible situations many times. And so I think a lot of times hurting women will look at these celebrity Bible teachers like this and go, she understands what I've been through. She can have compassion for me. She knows what it's like. And a lot of times those of us who are more, of, you know, who are of the doctrinally sound camp of theology, we're not, either we're not recognizing the hurt that people are going through or we are giving them too much um, sort of academic theology and not enough compassion, or we just don't know how to deal with, with these kinds of problems. And I think at this point in time, when we're seeing so many um, people who have been victimized come forward, that we as doctrinally sound Christian women, we need to know how to reach out with compassion and kindness and love and sound doctrine to women who are hurting. Because what a tragedy it would be to, to be abused like that, to be hurt like that, or even to go through something like losing a child or, or something terrible like that. And to go through not only that suffering, but then to find your solace in someone who is not telling you the truth about what God's word says. What a double tragedy that would be. So um, I think that's another reason that a lot of times that women follow these these doctrinally unsound Bible teachers. So, Yeah, and, and one thing that concerns me is I think for many of them, they're not hearing the gospel. I got right. a letter from someone who said, I've been in the church my whole life, and I just heard the gospel for the first time on your program. Yes, and that kind of goes back to what I was saying in the first place about a lot of women aren't saved because they have never heard the truth of the gospel. They're not, either they're not hearing it from these celebrity Bible teachers they're following, or they're, like you mentioned, they're not hearing it in their own churches from their own pastors, or they've decided to disconnect from the church altogether and just do this Lone Ranger Christian kind of thing. and. So they're not hearing it at all. Sometimes we get women that will come in the group or I've even gotten messages saying that, you know, you're focusing too much on theology and you just need to focus on love more and that sort of thing. And, and really when we're talking about discernment, we're talking about knowing God's word and being able to recognize, like you said, truth and almost truth. So, why is that important? Why is that important in our Christian lives to be discerning, to know how to recognize things that are not biblical? Well, it's it's kind of the same deal of you want to be able to recognize what kinds of foods are healthy and what kinds of foods are poisonous, you know, or what kinds of non-foods are poisonous. You want to have a healthy body in the physical sense, and it's the same thing in the spiritual realm. You can't just for example, eat anything and grow healthy. 
in, in your body. It's the same thing with, with your spiritual body, so to speak. You can't just eat whatever makes you feel good, like candy or, you know, candy flavored poison or whatever in your spiritual life and expect to grow to be a godly, mature uh, Christian woman. Um, so you, you need to, I mean, if that's, if that's your goal, which is what I hear from a lot of the same women that you're describing that they, they, if you asked them, they would say, yes, I want to grow to be more Christ-like and more godly and more mature in my faith. Um, then you have to do what will get you there, which is studying God's word and prayer and being in a good godly church and all of those things that are what will help you to grow in Christ. I mean, the, the, the candy and the poison are not going to help you grow. They're going to stunt your growth and that's not what you want. So, so this is something that I hear another thing I hear from women and that is, you know, I'm in a church where the women just aren't interested in this and how can I encourage the women around me to be more discerning? Right. Um, and that's, um, I, you know, I've found myself in churches like that before. And so it's not that that I don't understand. I, I understand that completely. Um, I, I would say the first thing that that like we were talking about a minute ago that needs to be ironed out is that the women of your church need to hear the truth of the gospel. They need someone speaking the gospel to them because some of them probably don't even realize that they're not saved. Um, and they've they've gone all this time thinking that they are saved and and uh, they've never heard the, the truth of the gospel. They've never repented and placed their faith in Christ. So that would be the the bedrock thing is just to keep speaking the gospel to the women that you're around at your church um, and, and things like that. And the next thing I would say is that is really important and that we discount a lot of times is to pray. Um, we, a lot of times we tend to brush that off as unimportant, but it, it's so, so imperative that we pray for our churches. We should be praying for our churches anyway, but especially when you, when you spot a problem like this, it's very important to pray about it because when, um, especially when you're in a church, let's just take a, a church that's been doing Bethmore Bible studies for a long time. When you're in a church like that and your women's ministry has been doing these studies for a long time, it's entrenched and it's a heart issue. And it's not um, something that you're easily going to be able to walk in, talk to someone about, and that the light is going to come on immediately. And they're going to say, oh, we should never have been doing these uh, these studies and we, we need to stop. And thank you so much for coming in and setting us straight. It's not going to be like that. It's an issue of the heart. And only God can change hearts. We cannot change people's hearts. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we need to be praying for the women of our churches. We need to be praying for our pastors. Um, and we need to be praying that that God's word will, will be proclaimed in our churches and will be heralded and loved and embraced and that God will begin changing hearts because he's the only one who can do that. And also because it helps us to get our own mindset right, that this is not this is not my church that I need to fix and correct. This is God's church. And he loves these people and this church far more than we ever could. And he is way more concerned about their spiritual health than we could ever be. And so when we start getting into that mindset that it's God's church and it's God's work to change people's hearts, that not only is the correct 
view to have because it's true that God is sovereign over all these things, but it also takes a lot of the burden off of me that I don't feel like I have to go in there and fix everything and feel anxious about it and things like that. So first the gospel, second, be in prayer a lot. And then third, um, if you feel like it's a situation where you need to talk to someone and point out the problems with the materials that they're using. And then I would say, go back to prayer <laughs> and pray more and uh, ask God for wisdom and guidance. And then you need to do your research. You need to know, first you need to know your Bible and you need to know what the problem is. Because if it's, if it's just an issue of, I don't like the way that teacher wears her hair, or she has this annoying characteristic, you know, that she, that, that just gets on my nerves. That's not an issue of false doctrine. We're talking about teachers who teach things that are clearly in conflict with God's clear word. And so you need to know your Bible and what constitutes false doctrine. And then um, if you need to talk to someone, go to the teacher of that class first or go to your women's ministry director, who is whoever is most immediately in charge of what the problem is. Because if you go straight to your pastor first and, and talk to him about it, you don't want the, the women's ministry director or the Bible study teacher or whatever to stop using those materials just because the pastor says she has to. You want to convince your sister. You want to win your sister over and help her to see on her own that what the problems are and that she doesn't want to be contributing to um, the spiritual unhealth of the women of your church. So, um, I would say just go in love, go in kindness, go in patience. Um, the end of 2 Timothy 2, tell I think it's 24 through 26, that is a great guideline to use. It teaches us um, how, why we should be doing discernment, how we should be doing discernment, and what the, um, what's really going on in the hearts of the people who have been captured by false teachers. So, just go in love and in kindness and in concern for the women of your church to the teacher of the class or your women's ministry director or whatever. And um, just point out the most glaring problems, you know, two or three problems with that teacher. Show her from scripture what the problems are. Show her the evidence of what the teacher is teaching or how the teacher is behaving that directly conflicts with scripture. Um, make sure you're not overwhelming her with a flood of information that she can't process because um, just hearing that, hey, uh, we shouldn't be following this false teacher, that's that's going to be overwhelming enough because a lot of women don't even realize that that teachers need to be vetted. That, you know, if they present themselves as Christians, if they're sold at a major Christian retailing chain, they must be Christians and whatever they're teaching is biblical Christianity. Um, so just the concept that you have to, that this person might not be teaching biblical truth, that's overwhelming enough. And then when you start presenting evidence and scripture, that's going to be overwhelming too. So just keep it simple. Keep it semi-brief, you know, maybe an hour. Um, and then leave, leave that, all the materials and the, the ideas and stuff with that person and let her think about it and pray about it for some time and uh, and touch base with her a week or two later and 
ask her if she's had time to to think about it and and consider it and uh and then you know you might be able to move on from there after that i think one one problem that i've seen in a lot of churches and in talking to women is that the women's ministry is often its own entity with not a lot of oversight from the pastor mm-hmm. and elders and believing as we do at least i would say ashley and i do and i think you agree with us on a lot of this that you know the pastor and the elders are the ones with authority in the church mm-hmm. When my church wants to do a women's Bible study, we actually give the book to the pastor and the pastor and elders look it over first. And I love that. I love that when we go and do a study, that it's got a stamp of approval from those who are in spiritual authority over me. Right. And that's how it should be. That And unfortunately, it is not yeah. that way in many churches. And let me just say, um, pastors today are so overwhelmed. They've got so much to do. And the bigger the church, the more they've got on their plates. And so I, I think it's not a case of that pastors, by and large, just don't care. It's just that maybe they trust whoever the women's ministry leader is and they've given her some autonomy to select things and and they they feel that whatever she selects will be okay but really um and uh really they need to they need to be aware of what's going on in in women's ministry these days a lot of men just aren't i mean they don't walk into a into a christian bookstore and pick up a book for women you know they just don't because they're men and that's you know that's understandable i don't walk into a christian bookstore and pick up books that are geared towards men um but christian men christian husbands and fathers and pastors they need to be out there at the forefront. They need to be leading the charge and protecting the women of their churches, their wives, their daughters, their sisters. They need to be protecting them from false doctrine. Protecting your wife is more than just stepping in front of a speeding truck or stepping in front of a bullet to save her life. I mean, you want to protect their souls. And certainly pastors are responsible for the souls of the women's women in their churches. So um, I think that's just not something men, Christian men have historically had to worry about too much. But now it's time to get involved and uh, and jump in there and and jump in front of that bullet of false doctrine for your wife or the women of your church or whatever. Well, I think that you probably get some of these messages probably way more than we do. Sometimes you will talk, you will point out some specifics about a teacher and some people, we've heard it before, more so in the group than from the podcast, that you shouldn't be talking negatively about Beth Moore or some of these other teachers. I I hate that I keep picking on Beth Moore, but just the first (laughs) one that comes to mind. There's a lot of them out there. Right. right. It's not, it's not just her, but um, how do you respond to somebody who says we shouldn't be pointing out the false doctor? Well, actually, I did just get accused of this recently. It wasn't even because of a woman teacher. Um, so how how do we respond to that? Well, you it's really important to respond patiently and in love. And I will be the first to admit that I have failed at that so many times. Um, but and that's something God is continuing to work on me about. Um, but we need to, and the reason a lot of people do that is because again, they don't know their Bibles because they've been following some of these, these teachers who haven't taught them, um, 
the you know the full scope of God's word. And um, so when someone comes at me and and says that, what I try to do is immediately point them back to scripture. Um, Matthew 23, where Jesus is giving out the woes to the Pharisees and calling them a brood of vipers and, and all and whitewashed tombs and all of that stuff. You know, I think a lot of these people would look at that and say, well, Jesus, you just weren't being very loving. You just weren't being very kind. And uh, granted, I am not Jesus, but I'm also not calling people broods of vipers and whitewashed tombs either. What I try to do is is to focus not on the person, not on Beth or Joyce or Priscilla or whoever, but focus on what is being taught and what they are doing in their behavior and um, and hold those behaviors and those teachings up to scripture and compare them with scripture and deal with the teachings and the behavior, not the person personally. Um, so I, I try to avoid the, the uh, accusation of being unloving from the get go by the way I handle that. And, uh, but then just pointing people to scripture and, and saying, look, um, Jesus was very firm with the false teachers of his day, the Pharisees. Are you really wanting to call Jesus unloving and unkind and, and uncompassionate? And Paul was the same way. So was Peter. Um, every every book of the New Testament, except Philemon, I think it is, deals in some way very firmly with false teaching and false teachers. Paul said, "I'm going to turn Alexander and Hymenaeus over to Satan." You know, <laughs> so there's there's um, I think a lot of people just don't realize how firm again because they don't know their Bibles and they've never been taught. They don't realize how firm. Um, Jesus and the apostles were when it came to false teachers and false teaching. And certainly um, we as 21st century Christian women, we need to act like godly women in our own cultural context, just as Jesus and Paul and all of them were acting like godly men in their own cultural context. And it would not be appropriate for me to walk into a church and start overturning tables and whipping, you know, having a whip and, um, and yelling at people and things like that. But it is certainly appropriate to um, to point out false teaching because that is what the New Testament and the Old Testament as well teach us to do. And that we are not to just let blithely let false teaching slip by. That's how it infiltrates churches and victimizes people. And that's that's another thing that people, when they make that accusation, they're not thinking. They're just thinking, oh, you're being mean to this celebrity Bible teacher or whatever. They don't think about the women who wake up every day and they go to have their quiet time and they've been taught that prayer is a two-way conversation and they sit down to pray and they talk to God and they sit there and wait for God to talk back and God doesn't talk back to them. And they start worrying, well, maybe there's sin in my life that I just don't know about, or maybe, um, maybe God just doesn't love me, or maybe he's not trustworthy or whatever. They don't think about those women who are struggling in their spiritual lives because of the false doctrine they've been taught. And they don't see the bondage that those women are under because of these false teachings. And when I see women like that, it breaks my heart because I've been in that situation too of, of thinking false things about God that I have been taught and then thinking, well, maybe he doesn't really love me or maybe, 
you know, I'm just not, I don't have enough faith or, or something like that. And it really stunts the growth, the spiritual growth of Christian women when they are under the bondage of false doctrine. And so it is loving, just as it would be loving to yank your child out of the path of a speeding truck that's about to, to hit them. It is loving to those people who are under that kind of bondage to reach your hand out to them and say, look, what you're being taught does not match up with scripture and you could be set free to rest in Christ and to just enjoy your relationship with him and try and pull them out of the path of that speeding truck and help them to become free in Christ. When we had Brian Thomas on talking about Lutheran, Lutheranism versus Calvinism, we talked about the difference, um, how to how to discuss our differences. One thing he said, and I think it actually fits here is, you know, say what you mean, but you don't have to say it mean. You know, right. you don't have to go and call someone a brood of vipers. <laughs> right. If you have a friend that is listening to some teacher that, you know, is not sound theologically, you can go go to that friend with with wisdom and grace and patience. You know, you don't have to go and hit her over the head with all the false teachings of that person, but with gentleness and showing her from scripture. Right. Absolutely. And I think sometimes, sometimes there's a little bit more of the begging over the head, maybe on social media, like mm -hmm. you know, that we see. So on a positive note, and this is something we've seen. So Michelle, I'm sure that you've been encouraged like we have, you know, you probably hear from women that maybe came out of, you know, Beth Moore being their favorite teacher and not being discerning and now they're studying their Bibles and they're focusing on biblical theology. So what, what are some positive things that you've been seeing? Um, I, I think the internet and social media has been so helpful in this regard. A lot of people are really down on Facebook and Twitter and, and blogs and stuff like that. But I think, um, that has really been a catalyst to get the word out there that um, there's something that's not quite right with some of these teachers. You know, you, you post things on Facebook. I post things on Facebook. Maybe a Facebook friend of mine has never heard that there might be a problem with Priscilla Shire just to, you know, get off of Beth Moore for a minute <laughs> or things like that. And so we're introducing the idea to, to folks that, um, that you can't just blindly accept anything that calls itself Christian. And that's a big concept for um, evangelical women in particular to, to grasp and to accept. And so I think over the past few years, we've been introducing this concept by the things that we write online, by the things that um, we write on social media or share on social media that a lot of women are not getting in their churches. Um, I mean, I certainly, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I had never come across the idea that you might need to examine the teachings of, in my case, it was Beth Moore. My church was doing a lot of Beth Moore Bible studies, and it never occurred to me that I might have to, to check out what she's saying against scripture because my church was promoting 
her her um st her studies by doing them uh, the major christian bookstore chains were promoting her and she was on all these tours and all of this stuff so so we've begun to introduce that idea um on social media and on the internet <clears throat> and i think a lot of women are responding to that they're 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 starting to come to their senses uh, so to speak and and think well you know i want to be true to scripture i want to be true to christ and so they're starting to check these things out and i do hear from women all the time who say i was looking around on the internet for information on Lisa Turkhurst, because my church is about to start a study by her. And I ran across your blog and I started reading and I looked at the evidence and I looked at scripture. And now I realize that, you know, this is why I've been having all these problems in my spiritual life because I've been believing this or I've been believing that. And so I, I put that stuff aside, which I would highly recommend to any woman out there uh, to just put the, the books and the Bible studies aside and just pick up your Bible and read it um, but I hear from women all the time who have done that they've just picked up their Bibles and started studying and um, and they've you know they've been set free from some of these things that were holding them hostage and uh, it really is amazing that that more and more women, and, and when, when that happens to a woman she's gonna go tell her friend at church or she's going to to share that with others. And so I think we're seeing that spread. And I think also a lot of us are praying for, I mean, I pray for my readers um, on a pretty regular basis. And we, we have begun to see the need to pray for our churches to be healthy and things like that. So I'm, I'm very encouraged that we're starting to see more women who are uh, becoming more discerning, learning what discernment is, learning that they need to be good students of the Bible and, um, and to pursue Christ and to pursue holiness and not just what feels good to them or what sounds good to them or what bolsters the opinions they already have and things like that. So, so it is very encouraging. There's, there are a lot of women who are starting to kind of wake up, I guess you could say. Yeah, we're, we're <clears throat> seeing a lot of that also. Well, on this episode, I'm going to link, I'm going to link your blog and you know, tell, tell everyone where they can find you, although we'll be linking it. Okay, it's Michelle Leslie L E S L E Y books dot com, and we're going to link a few articles that maybe specifically speak to what we talked about here in okay. our episode notes. And um, we just really appreciate you coming on, Michelle. I think everything you said was very helpful. I think it's going to be very helpful to so many of our listeners because you've addressed so many things that we hear, you know, regularly. So. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was great. Looking for that perfect track for your next evangelism outreach? Look no further. At TrackedPlanet.com, we have solid biblical tracks that are a breeze to hand out. They are beautifully designed and are the highest quality tracks available. With over 80 different designs in stock and literally hundreds more available by custom order, we're sure to have just the right one for you. You can get any of our items printed with your church or ministry information or have us design a brand new tract just for you. We are committed to the solid biblical message of law to the proud and grace to the humble. Each tract is firm on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the necessity of repentance and faith in salvation. 
come check us out at trackedplanet.com and make sure you use coupon code BTWN at checkout for 10% off your entire order. That's TRACTplanet.com, coupon code BTWN. Ashley, when I was preparing today's episode, I actually almost thought Taco Bell should be our yeah about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to apologize because I know we have a listener out there who's thinking, hey, I really like Taco Bell. And so I don't want to be too offensive to that listener. <laughs> That's right. You know what? We we are joking around. And I should probably admit that my kids will go to Taco Bell. Like, hmm. you know, we're going to go to Taco Bell. So they like it sometimes too. So yeah. just Ashley and I do not. <laughs> so someone posted something in our group. And I thought this would be a yeah about that. I couldn't even watch the whole video because it was so bad. And she was posting it like, yeah don't do this. Um, I think it's been going around social media and it was kind of a pastor at the mall going up to the Santa Claus section to tell all the kids that Santa Claus isn't real. Yeah. Our listeners can't see it, but I'm shaking my head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I don't about that. Probably not a great like evangelism method. All you're going to do is make people angry. Like no one no one wants yeah. to hear anything you have to say if you're the one who they see as ruining their kid's Christmas. Mm-hmm. In fact, I can see some, peop- some people who really care a lot about their kids believing in Santa going all mama bear on that guy. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And like, no, you are not going to say that to my kid, you know, because some people do care a lot that their kids, you know, believe in Santa and things like that. So. Right. So they're not going to say, oh, good, share the gospel with me now. <laughs> you just told my kids there's yeah, no Santa. That, yeah. Your argument is so winsome and compelling. Please share more. <laughs> Tell right. me what Christmas is it's, really about. Right. And when we talked on our Christmas episode, I I personally did not think it was was good or helpful for me to to tell my children that Santa Claus is real and lives in the North Pole and flies on a sleigh, even though, you know, we can have fun with the fictional aspect and watch Rudolph, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and, and that sort of thing. But I also knew that it probably wasn't helpful or fruitful for my children to go around and tell all the children that Santa Claus wasn't real. Yeah. And you know, if it, if they did it, I got in a conversation on Twitter and I think I've told this before when my son at homeschool co-op is listening to his friend at lunch, telling about the tooth fairy, what the tooth fairy brought him. And my son says very loudly, you know who the tooth fairy is, don't you? It's your mom, you know, and <laughs> I got some dirty looks from other moms, but I, I think that that is just, that's not necessarily going to be a great way to introduce the gospel to someone by going and, and yelling that Santa Claus isn't real at the mall. Yeah, I agree. You're only going to look like like a jerk doing that. Well, yeah. And when Christians are sharing this video on social media and saying, mm. no, don't, let's not do that, you know? Yeah. And I, I would tell my kids, you know what? Some parents do tell their kids that Santa is real. It's not your job to inform them. Right. 
so it's better not we didn't really have a lot of a lot of friends a little bit of family that did you mm -hmm. know it's not your job to to let them in on it that's mm -hmm. um because i didn't think it was helpful or fruitful um, to do that right so so theology gals does not recommend going to the mall this season and and telling all of the children that Santa yes isn't real. I would be worried about your safety if if you did that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Especially on a busy Saturday at the mall. So Right, with all, all kinds of parents there get their yeah. you know. Yeah. And hopeful kids and right. I mean I think it ultimately cause chaos. <laughs> yes. Well, I think we got a couple more weeks until Christmas and I'm not sure if, if we'll take um, I think that we, I want to say that it would be Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve that our podcast would generally come out. And so mm. I don't know if we'll take a break maybe or switch things around or something because, you know, because of that, people have other things to do other than listen to Theology Gals on Christmas Eve. <laughs> no Year's way. Eve. No. Every, the whole family is going to be tuning in. I just That's know That's right. <laughs> New Year's Eve party at my house while we listen to Theology Gals. <laughs> yep. Go ahead and start planning. <laughs> That's right. Well, I, I appreciate you joining us. I do have some some resources to go along with today's episode. I did want to thank everybody who donated to us. We were just amazed and, and grateful. To the person that texted our line and sent us a check, I'll just say that. Thank you very much. We, we really appreciated that. Yeah. And if you are interested in supporting us on, on the website, BibleThumpingWingNet.com, if you click on Theology Gals and, and go to any of the episodes, there's a link to our Patreon on there. And if you want to contact us, all of our contact information is on there also. So thank you for joining us and we'll see you next week.